It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. React in a positive way. We need positivity for this second half. Positivity, believe, positivity, believe. 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 Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. This is the eighth in a series of All or Nothing Watch Along specials. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who has little by little changed my mind, Nathan Lee Clark. Hello, Nathan. (laughs) Hello, Windy. If you haven't watched episode eight of the All or Nothing series about Spurs, we suggest that you do so now. We're going to spoil all of that episode right now. If you've got no intention of watching it, then let let us spoil away. If you do, if you have watched it already, and you'd like some uh, supplementary commentary then this is the podcast for you so this one is called stop the blurb says tottenham hotspur's season is hanging in the balance they are still fighting on two fronts with a must-win match against rb leipzig in the champions league and staying in contention for a lucrative top four finish in the premier league but as they focus on their final 10 games the impact of the coronavirus pandemic is felt by the club and its players so this one covers the time period 4th of march to the 19th of june post the united match uh so three and a half months the longest period covered in any one episode since episode Episode one, it definitely feels that way too. It does feel like they <laughs> rattle through a lot uh, here mm. in this sort of whirlwind tour of how the club approached the pandemic. It opens up with the line, since the moment I arrived, I can only say that what happened to us this season is impossible. And that's uh, that's Mourinho there, of course. Buddy, what do you think of that? I mean, it's literally not impossible. <laughs> Your football players getting injured. It, it, does ha- it happens all the time. Every season. Every season it happens. Um, it's unfortunate. So what you should have said, what's happened to to us this season is unfortunate it's unfortunate we lost our two best strikers at the same time but it's not impossible and part of the problem is not having an alternative is is what was impossible that what made it impossible that is a very good point and uh he, he could have signed a striker in the january transfer window he could have used troy parrot so to sort of use this as a excuse now just feel a little bit a little bit too much yeah, he talks mm. about the impact of the injuries to kane and son and he says without injuries we would now be third or fourth we would be in the quarterfinal of the fa cup and I'm like, yeah, I mean, every club can say the same thing. Without injuries, we'd do better. Sure, that's difficult to argue with. Um, he says, such a difficult challenge that, com- that came for me in the right moment of my career, because if it comes earlier, maybe I would not be prepared to cope with the situation. And the credits roll. It's breakfast time. I'm sure Bardi is on plate watch here. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> I have to say they're, they're not donuts in the background they're bagels so finally we got a little shot and I, ha- I was concerned about pastries just being there in the buffet table but I was kind of happy to see plain bagels and seeded bagels in the background okay they, they've passed the body <laughs> test uh, Jeff Scott is fist bumping everyone and elbowing people and Dyer says that he's in favour of fist bumps in general this is uh, uh, an interesting sort of early insight to a window of time that passes by very quickly, mm. but it's sort of representative of what went forward, which is these hoops that we jump through where we fist bump and we elbow bump instead of handshaking and then sit down next to each other in the canteen and suck each other's air up as much as possible. It's just, <laughs> what is the point of any of this? Totally counterproductive. I was really concerned with a physio saying, what's going to be next? Head bumps. And it's just like, mate, no. <laughs> That's putting your mouth really close to someone else's mouth. So just shut up. It's not even good banter. I don't know how that made it through <laughs> the cut. Uh, Mourinho is going into a press briefing. Um, he's he's giving elbow bumps, if we want to call them that, to the journalist. And uh, I see my old friend Jason Burtz is there. I was very pleased to see Jason um, and his delicious beard. Uh, Mourinho is talking about the squad being in trouble in relation to injuries. There's a montage of players receiving treatment. The physios are asking Michelle Vaughan to give Bergvine the heads up up on Burnley uh, and he, one of them asks if there are any teams in Holland who would be the equivalent of, of Burnley and Vorm says that no pretty much every team tries to play football in Holland that's uh, that's not a thing um, Jess Scott goes to see Mourinho he mentions Delhi, Lo Celso and Lucas all feeling fatigue and Ben Davis having a hamstring strain and not being able to play the next match and Scott talks through the intensity of the Premier League Mourinho is then talking to Lo Celso about how he might bring him and Lucas on for the next third minutes of the match. Uh, what do we think of this? I imagine Nathan's particularly interested to see more injury and fatigue chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the, the the sort of suspected hamstring strain that we're not really going to look into too much. It's just a bit of an idea floating around there is, uh, is interesting. That was Delhi, right? I like, wasn't that Davis? Oh, was it Davis? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what counts as fatigue, the different types of fatigue, that's sort of a bit interesting, but we're not seeing a huge amount there. I did like the um, the bit with Vormis saying no in 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 the Netherlands all of our teams you know play actual football attempt to have the ball create chances you know etc that's for me I um I especially enjoyed when they were going through the list of the players talking about what injuries they have and what problems they have and then it was just Lucas it was just it just made me love just general fatigue there's like there's there's nothing wrong with him there's nothing good with him it's just all round he's just bad even even his injuries can't be specific he's just an all round injured person Lucas just has general fatigue and ironically we all just have general fatigue of watching Lucas hey. <laughs> uh, Larice is giving a rousing team talk in a very tiny away dressing room Mate, that's insane that dressing room I mean it's the talk about room, right? talk about intimidating people what is that I'm, you know it's like um, it's like a student flat in there it's a student house party it's incredible How, and he got the the youth player or the nutritionist guy the one who puts out the smoothies just kind of hopping over over people that's proper Sunday league football changing that is not great for social distancing either no, really. everyone's just like crammed into this tiny space uh, typically with um, 
um, with a match against Burnley, we see lots of goal mouth scrambles and kind of scrappy play. And the camera work I find in, in this instance really does add to the intensity and the compactness of, of that what that match appears to be like. Uh, it's 1-0 through Chris Wood and it's halftime. Mourinho says, don't give up. We need to win duels. We need to recover the ball. We cannot make defensive mistakes. Once again, this focus on not making mistakes. Such a recurring theme of all of Mourinho's halftime uh, team talk. He makes two changes at halftime. He brings on Lucas and the Celso. He wanted to give them half an hour. He said pre-match, but he's seen enough and he has to bring them on. He says, press them higher. We need to push the defensive line up. Nathan, did that interest you? Uh, no, at this point, I the the disconnect between what the instructions are and the reality is just glazing over entirely. Uh, but this is an instant, and we'll come back to this in a future episode, Ooh. Uh, where like player has been substituted off at half time, <laughs> completely unnamed, all conduct removed, huh. no no acknowledgement of like why the half time subs are made. Just it's about it's about bringing on the Celso. <laughs> it's not about the fact that we had a player that desperately could not come out and ever play another minute of football that game. Yeah, I think I think this is probably the up to this point in the season the closest we've got to talking about Ndombele being mentioned and that was yeah. just a some yeah player A was removed exited left and um we do finally get a talk uh, a little chat about Lo Celso and I'm sure we're going to go into it but I I got a little bit grumpy with with Mourinho and as we'll see as as Windy talk goes through the scene by scene. So we win a penalty and there's a discussion about who takes it which I don't remember noticing at the time but it seems like it's a bit of a back and forth there perhaps they hadn't decided who was taking the the penalty uh Delhi does take it and scores and I thought the steely look in his eye as he stepped up to take the penalty just focused on the ball like absolutely no head movement towards looking at the goalkeeper or anything around him just literally focused on the ball I love that thought it was great really good camera work there as well and Mourinho is um, in the press conference saying my team was fantastic in the second half. He bigs up Celso. And we find out that Bergwijn now has been injured in the last minute. We've dropped down to eighth in the table. Mourinho is at breakfast talking about the impact of Lo Celso. And he says that when he first arrived, he didn't think Lo Celso could do it. He says, and then little by little, the guy changed my mind and I started giving him opportunities. I mean, that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So a manager arrives at a club with a preconceived idea about a player, a player that's never played played in England a player that did pretty good at Betis and everything else and just like he's, he's not he's not for me and we did see that in Mourinho's first kind of couple of months that there was actually a fear that we wouldn't make Lo Celso's um, signing permanent that we would just bin him off there was countless news stories and it's just like what even what even why do you even say that why do you even need to air that opinion and all you're doing is setting yourself up to look like a bit of an idiot when it comes to Ndombele and yeah and just by by making that point he's not talking about Lo Celso he's talking about Ndombele and he's repeatedly making himself look like an idiot and it really it really annoyed me but it's 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 the kind of um, confirmation that there are specific qualities which Mourinho values above anything else such as winning mentality but also I think just as importantly people who physically look physically appear to be putting in effort on the pitch so running hard and uh, going into a lot of challenges which is why someone like Lucas is such a huge favourite because he you watch Lucas play and he appears to be putting in loads 
and loads of effort. Now, whether that's efficient effort or actually you know, useful effort is a separate matter, but Mourinho values that almost above everything else. And it's clear from, from this that he saw Lo Celso as a sort of shy retiring type. Mm. Sometimes you've got to give a player an opportunity to prove themselves and allow them to grow into a role. And I, I've, I believe strongly that's uh, been a, a problem with, with Ndombele. I would also say that that is also a problem with the way we look at academy players, but it was certainly the case with Lo Celso and he only used him when he, he had to and, and finally, thank goodness, he um, took that chance. Nathan, what did you think? Yeah, no, I'm I'm much more with Bardi on this one because basically, if you don't rate Giovanni Lo Celso, you're an idiot. He's really, really good. Mm. Like, PSG was stupid to let him go. He was a star at Betis. He has um, not enough minutes for Argentina, but plenty nonetheless. In a competitive um, Argentina midfield. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, taking minutes of Eva Beniga, not an easy thing to do, you know? Um, even though if they sometimes play stupid midfields without either of them, that's beside the point. Um, you know, a really, really special player and also not like, not a lazy continental creative player. Someone who's always, always, you know, been able to play as number 10, been able to play as number 8, always put up huge numbers of tackles, always put up huge numbers of interceptions. What kind of fucking top level football manager doesn't already know that about Giovanni Lo Celso before you arrive at the club that he's playing at? I mean, if there's one thing you can't hit Lo Celso about, maybe he doesn't score enough, he doesn't assist enough, but his, his tenacity and the way he gets around the pitch, it's very, it's very Lamella-like and he's very, he's, you know, puts his foot in. And we saw that in the Chelsea game and we've seen it countless times. I thought in the North London derby, I thought he was really tenacious and it was just a really stupid thing for Mourinho to think, but he's allowed to say, he's la- everyone's allowed to have their own thoughts and their own stupid thoughts. It was just, I think it was personally a stupid thing for Mourinho to air and just put out there for all of us to sign, finally view him in that way. I think it's I think it's a ridiculous position to put yourself as a manager. You just you just Alan Shearer, Jamie Redknapp self. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the implication is that he wasn't good when Mourinho first arrived and he got better, but that's it's just not true. Yeah. That's just he was beginning to break through into the team first season, new club, new nation before Mourinho arrived. That was sort of the growing one of the growing narratives at the very end under Pochettino, and then he was back out the team. It's not like he was on the sidelines from the start. Maybe there's some kind of implication about how he's performing in training or whatever, but I don't really buy it, frankly. The only other thing uh, to add from me here is that uh, Lacelso has has very beautiful eyes. I think. <laughs> That's true. Um, we see Kane on struggling to to watch games, and he says because it's not in your control, which I thought was a really interesting choice of words, and speaks to what speaks to a lot of what we already know about Harry Kane. I think he is such a control figure. He wants to play every minute. He wants to be able to have a hand in every match. He wants to score the winning goal in every match. It's that's so Harry Kane. Yeah, so starts this episode of Kane being at a dinner table and not eating. <laughs> <laughs> he just never eats in this episode. But I, I did enjoy. Um, I did enjoy. Um, Lo Celso and Davinson tucking into some tucking into some eggs, enjoying a, a good hearty kind of South American style breakfast, and then um, Hugo with um, a piece of bread and jam, very French, very continental breakfast there. Buddy, the reason you're you're not seeing Kane eat here is because he's already wolfed it down before the camera started rolling. <laughs> he's he's had two portions; he just didn't even touch the sides. Or he's eating at home and he's just he's just trying to <laughs> get past the nutritional he's, nutritional. Yeah, he's, he's waking up in the morning and having pop tarts. <laughs> 
Uh, we see the players at breakfast talking about when Kane might be back and we find out that Bergwijn is out for the rest of the season. There is a tactical briefing pre-Leipzig and uh, Mourinho talks through their team and system. He talks about Delhi, Lucas and Lamella playing together as a front three and pressing high. He says the two midfield players are going with the pressure. I'm not going to stay in here worried with what's going on behind you. And he shows them clips of a less intense press against Wolves and he's telling them to go quicker and go faster towards the ball. And it seems that he's very much telling them to sort of look at sort of individual players pressing individual players. It doesn't seem to sort of be an implication of a, of a collective press. It seems very much you press this man, you press this man. And um, what did you think of this, Nathan? Did you get Glana any kind of insight from this brief bit of tactical chat? So this is something obviously we've talked about a lot. I touched on this earlier. This whole thing where they talk about pressing, mm-hmm. they mention pressing at half time. They come in and they go right in this half. We're going to press them higher. Like <laughs> okay, what were you saying before the match then? In the second Leipzig game, we did press them hard. We pressed them really well. We caught them off guard a couple of times in the first half, or the first 20 minutes maybe. After that, the game got away from us. But nonetheless, that was our approach at the beginning of the game. If this is what he's saying to them all the time, is what it seems like in this documentary, but we go from one game to the other, shifting between a low block encounter and then going into this game and pressing them high, is it that the documentary is just completely unfollowable out of connection with reality we're missing huge huge periods of tactical instruction that contradicts the small bits of and when it's in this bit press them hard or is it as it appears and he's always telling them to press high and they're only doing it one in every three games because if it is that we're fucked They're really bad at following instruction, if that's the case. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, then the the, the coronavirus section really starts, um, and it's long, and it's I don't know, I don't know how much we learn. Anyway, it's the 9th of March. We find out that five people in the UK have died, sadly, of coronavirus, and that sport is to be played behind closed doors. We see the boardroom. Uh, and it's actually the boardroom in in Germany. They fo- they travelled with the first team. The the board members have travelled with the first team to discuss the financial statement, which is due out, and leaving is talking about the implications of issuing a statement against the backdrop of not doing well on the pitch. He says uh, that when when they put the messaging out, they'll need to draw out the stadium, the Champions League final. We're introduced very briefly to Matthew Collicott, who's the operations and finance director, and also to Donna Marie Cullen, the executive director. Uh, and they're talking just generally about the, the comms around the statement. They discuss coronavirus too. They're talking about the number of home games that they have left. We see a montage of the fans. And um, Mourinho says, I bring the expectations to a certain level that with other people there's no expectation it's my fault but for lots of players in this club it's probably something new for them buddy what do you think of this do you think that um, Mourinho is right that pl- lots of players in our squad aren't used to playing under expectation pressure no I don't think so um, I think this is Mourinho just being very Jose, Jose Mourinho again uh, it's, it's just another one of these throwaway comments I don't really I don't really think mean much there's plenty of players in there who've dealt with pressure who've had to be stars for the international team been to World Cup semi-finals and everything else I just think it's Jose being very Jose it might seem very cheap and easy to respond to all of these claims by Mourinho by saying this team played in the Champions League final the season before um, but it's correct it worked it completely dismisses everything he says so I'm going to keep saying it we played in the Champions League final the season before that was exactly my thought when I when I heard that um, it did seem kind of out of kilter 
Yeah, and if you just think of the teams that think of the teams that he's managed, he's managed Real Madrid. They they, they have expectations. Porto have expectations. You know, he hasn't. Has Tottenham, Tottenham is very different. I get that, but I still don't believe that the players are struggling to adapt to him because he's such a winner. I think that's a bit bullshit. I think we have to remember that whilst we're saying that this is a, a PR exercise for the club, it's fair to say that Mourinho would probably also be using this as a PR exercise. You know, he is undoubtedly the star of the show. I mean, he is Mr. Charisma. He's getting all all of the screen time so of mm. course he's going to say things you know I bring expectations to a certain level it's my fault that there's this much scrutiny on us because I'm such a superstar that's what he's getting at here and you know his agents probably told him to say things like this it's, it's understandable um, we see the changing room at Leipzig and it's not that dissimilar to what we saw at Burnley it's very very <laughs> basic it's like Ikea bookshelves in the background where they're putting their boots um, Hugo talks about confidence and he says you overthink when you have a few bad results we then see some action from the game Leipzig go one up Sabitzer scores and then there are a couple of moments for Spurs but then it's 2-0 Sabitzer again and at half time Mourinho says we made mistakes once again focus on mistakes he says talks about need, he, he says that we need three goals um, it's difficult but it's possible and he says if he basically implies if we're not going to get anything out of this then at least we go down fighting and he says not like scared kid um, and, and my note here he's absolutely obsessed with the concept of mistakes and the idea of making mistakes which is something Nathan's spoken about many many times in the past um, in relation to Mourinho but it, it just comes out constantly uh, this for me is sort of a um, a dating of Mourinho's attitude to football in that like the um, meta approach during Mourinho's peak was the minimization of mistakes and where football has gone now is, is instead of saying we'll just make the fewest mistakes of either of the teams is we say we accept the mistakes are part of the game we will encourage more mistakes and we will adapt around them and change our approach we will allow for mistake and prepare for them to happen for both teams and work from those opportunities and also cause mistakes by disrupting the opposition's um, build-up play uh, so uh, we quickly go 3-0 down Forsberg scores and we get this Mourinho stuff about transition we are in a moment of transition I want to try to transform the mentality in the dressing room and that is something that normally comes time Buddy, any thoughts? I think this is probably the most honest moment we get from, from Jose where I think I, I don't know maybe there's something that he's realising the magnitude of this club and of the challenge that he's got and he we know that the club needs needed a massive painful overhaul we were warned by that by Pochettino so I, th- I think is perhaps dawning on him here that everything at the club has to change the the players are not fit for purpose the the way they're playing is not fit for purpose and it's going to take a lot of time and I think this is the first moment where he's actually quite honest and perhaps he realizes that you can show your balls and jump around as much as you want but it's going to take a long time to fix this to fix this starting 11 or to fix this squad 5 years younger. In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So it's now Friday the 13th of March and we hear that Arteta has been diagnosed with coronavirus and sports are starting to shut down and the Premier League has scheduled an emergency meeting. We see Skip and Tanganga and Whiteman sat together talking about which players have the virus and the approach that the Premier League might take. And then we see Jeff Scott giving a briefing to the medical team um, basically about the impact of COVID. He uses the word unprecedented, which now everyone is sick, sick to death of hearing, but at the time it probably was fine to use the word unprecedented. Um the players and staff are called in by, by Jeff Scott to give them a briefing. I noticed that Jensen was covering his face at that point, very sensible. And uh, Jeff explains the symptoms to them. And then we see this other character who has T-A-K, his initials on, on his top. I believe this is Tamim Khanbai, who has been our first team doctor since January 2020. He talks about how the virus is spread and how we stop spread. Imagine you start a new medical job in January 2020 at a football club. <laughs> FML, yeah. <laughs> Mourinho asked if, if the league decides to stop for X number of weeks what do we do and Jeff Scott just kind of responds and says that the building might need to be shut down if someone caught the virus explains what's happened to other clubs we then see Kane and Alfie Whiteman speculating about what might be done and our man Steve Hitchin has the inside track he says UEFA are making an announcement to say that everything is cancelled and Mourinho is just kind of interested only in what we do in relation to training he's just wants information so he can plan out how training is going to work uh, we get the confirmation of the suspension for at least three weeks and Levy's in the canteen saying the world's in a crazy place. We then see Mourinho updating his calendar, uh, you know, starting from scratch, essentially. We see Daniel Levy talking about the fact that there are huge disagreements between the 20 Premier League clubs. And he's asked, I think, by Donna Maria Cullen why he's so worried about playing matches behind closed doors. And he said it's for two reasons. Firstly, that playing at home with the crowd gives you a competitive advantage. And secondly, obviously, the financial impact on not having a home crowd. And Levy talks about the impact on fans who've paid for their remaining five games. I think the only kind of mention we get of the impact of fans to be honest it's yeah, very it is. much glossed over which yeah is interesting it's now Monday the 16th of March and um, Alfie Whiteman is asking one of the coaching staff whether their training is normal and the coach is like oh no um, <laughs> Son is back from quarantine after going for surgery in Korea he's hugging Delhi and Eric Dyer and obviously very excited to see him after a, a couple of 
couple of weeks, but I'm like, stop hugging, guys, you know, be sensible <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> uh, the doctor is telling Son to wear his brace for his arm. Uh, he gets outside and he's like so happy to see the, the training grounds at training pit. He says, oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, Mourinho has a laugh at him that he looks like Robocop with his brace on. I was thinking, would Son get the Robocop reference? I don't know if it felt like a bit of a... Um... No, I, th- I think I think Robocop's a global recognised okay. symbol. I think that's... Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I got it. I, I love Robocop, but I just wondered whether <laughs> Son was too young or... I don't know. There's, there's, there was a there was a, a, a new Robocop a few years ago, so I think it's I think it's it's multi-generational. Ah, right? okay, okay. Uh, Mourinho is using this downtime clearly to get Son and Kane fit, and he's quite excited about that prospect, so yeah, he's back on the training pitch with them doing a, a drill, a shooting drill with them, and Son falls over during this, and I'm just like, oh, Christ, don't fall over onto your already broken arm. Jesus. It's the last he looked thing. a bit... He looked a bit rusty, I thought, Son. His finishing was a bit off. But uh, here is it's an interesting thing throughout this. You get Jose's talking a lot about the players and what they're going to do. And he's, he's, maybe he is actually concerned about their, their mental health. But I, he's definitely thinking about getting Kane and Son back in time for the for the running, for sure. He's not His mind hasn't wandered further, far from that. We see Boris Johnson, or we hear Boris Johnson's press conference announcing lockdown. And then Jeff Scott's next briefing is given outside, which seems very sensible. The first team we find out has been shut off from the rest of the training centre mm. and Scott says it's unlo- it's it's likely that the 3rd of April match is going to push back. Um, he says that once we break up it's not going to be that you're on holiday and he announces the, the state of, of lockdown. I think during this section that I spotted our 17 year old academy goalkeeper Timotei Lo Tutalo in the background which um, surprised me. I was like oh, who's that guy? Oh, I know him I know his face. Um, Delhi asks what lockdown means and one of the staff explains the realities of the situation and Scott basically says to him it's going to be you know it's going to be months rather than weeks here with mm. uh, Davis and Kane and Skip and Whiteman talking about the, the problem of having nothing to do and Mourinho talks about the thing that worries him is, is his mental health being stuck inside yeah I, I, you, you look at Son the poor, the poor guy he's just come out of a two week lockdown and I, I know plenty of people who had to quarantine and then just as they finished their quarantine the lockdown hit so he's he's had the he's had poor guys had the double double job of it and um, yeah, I, I, once again, Ben Davies. I just, I've, I've really worn towards him. Even, even there, sat there smashing his peas, carrots, potatoes, and chicken. I've, I've really warmed towards him, and I, I just got, I got a lot of time for him when he talks now. So it's the day of the Premier League meeting, and I think it's Donna Cullen is giving Daniel Levy an update, update on web activity. It says web down thirty six percent, retail only down twenty five percent, and we see Mourinho, Donna Cullen, Jeff Scott, and Daniel Levy all meeting. Cullen asks if players can have their own training program. Uh, Mourinho's like, this is not going to be good enough. You know, that's that's hmm. one thing, but they need to be training every day. And, and Scott talks about, you know, filling up a van and dropping exercise bikes and exercise bands around to players' houses, which seems very sensible, very practical. Once again, I think Jeff Scott comes off well during this whole section, to be honest. Uh, but he, he explains in a week you can lose a lot of fitness. He talks about the load through the joints and tendons being really important and footballers need to run, basically. Uh, there is an interview, a brief interview with Lucas where he talks about being worried for his parents as older people and then we see this player meeting which I understand the players have called the meeting because they've just been carrying on going into training throughout this period and uh, Donna Cullen is leading it which was quite surprising to me I didn't kind of expect that and Kane says that the players are uncomfortable coming into training with the risk of picking something up and passing it to their families and Jeff Scott explains that the reason they've kept the players coming in is really to support their mental health and he suspects that very soon they'll be wishing they could go in which as, as 
we know in hindsight, absolutely the truth. I thought Kane was very statesmanlike during this section. I was very impressed with the way he kind of took on the job of being a player spokesperson. Yeah. He was incredibly calm and articulate. He's quite malleable, Kane, isn't he? He just kind of moulds to different situations. In the changing room being captain, he's effing and blinding and fucking come on, let's do this, let's, let's smash them. And then suddenly here in this meeting, he's very well considered, very sensible and comes across as a leader, I thought. Buddy, what did you make of this? I mean, you, this whole situation for Spurs was very difficult because now we looking back hindsight everything else we know what happened what needed to be done and the steps that should have been taken and to be fair Spurs didn't know what was happening you could see that with Donna Cullen when she was in Germany saying like basically nothing's not going to change anything they'll be closed for maybe a week and then they'll just get on with it Um, so it's, it's, it's very difficult for Spurs to allow their inner workings to be released here because none of us knew what was going on so I think I think overall they come over okay in this they they talk to the players they try and reason with the players you can see how they're working to keep the players fit majority of them have the players best interest at heart and when the players call a meeting I think Spurs are very open and honest with them so I thought thought as a club we we handled it pretty well when it comes to the playing staff and in terms of the non-playing staff Daniel Daniel Levy says yeah we've we've furloughed all the other staff we're taking the government's (laughs) money oh no wait he doesn't say that there's literally no mention of any of that No mention of Delhi either. Delhi's uh, inappropriate Snapchat. Very good point. Yep, totally mm. forgot that, but you're absolutely spot on. Uh, so the decision decision is made for the players to to go home to um, enter lockdown. Mourinho is, is amongst them. He waves staff on his way out. Levy explains that everything's shut down and we see Tony Stevens, head of public and community relations, uh, explaining the work they've done with the charity to send some food to, a lo- to the local community where there is food poverty. And uh, then we see Boris Johnson's instructors to stay at home the stadium and the car park are given up to local NHS to a local NHS hospital and Levy's there to do some PR shots I mean it is weird he's incessant he's non-stop that guy he's so non-stop at anything he he can do I mean Spurs are doing a really good thing but just when he puts his face on it it's just like no you have to do that you just kind of take away how the good actions that the club are doing yeah I agree it's suddenly quite inauthentic for Levy's there in the PR Mm -hmm. Uh, we we see training via Zoom I, I kind of wanted to see more of this I really I really liked yeah. seeing training wall and what the players are doing but I wanted more insight there it was it was very brief uh, what did you think Bardi? There's a massive screen and it reminded me of that really bad um, Sharon Stone film Sliver where you know where the guy has the apartment complex and he has all cameras in everybody's bedroom <laughs> yeah. and he has this massive wall and you can see what everyone's up to that was <laughs> a huge screen yeah so I just I just got I just got that UB40 theme tune ringing through, uh, through my head watching Daniel uh, watching Mourinho watch everybody get hot and sweaty Nathan, any thoughts on that part? Well, yeah, I mean, essentially, um, this terrible, terrible thing is there also a very interesting thing. And I think that obviously as hard as it is to, you know, go out and get footage, I'm glad that they were seemingly observing the lockdown. I maybe in the form of interviews looking back although again i i maintain that we are still very much under these extraordinary circumstances and and should be doing more now about things i just i i I wanted sort of more exploration of 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 what was happening here and how the club were like uh, the 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 virus and the post lockdown football takes up two episodes of a nine episode series and i just feel like 
that's i mean that's not the way i would have weighted it you know it's very surface level this stuff and it's so it's mm. kind of so whistle stop that you don't really get to appreciate any of there's no detail there to, to to garner anything from and this is one part where i feel the training players training at home is a huge change for footballers this is possibly never going to happen again unless we go into a second lockdown but you know in in most players lifetimes they won't have experienced anything like this so so why couldn't they like you say do a little bit more about how players cope how their mental health was put under scrutiny and pressure and and yeah it, it did feel as though there was more to be gleaned from this uh if they dug a little deeper and i was a bit disappointed but there we go Suddenly, it's uh, May 2020 and football is back. Uh, we see the testing of players as they enter the training grounds. Obviously, new protocols are in place. We see Sissoko, Son and Kane back having returned from injury. And Kane's explaining that he's not played for nearly six months. The medical department are in full swing. They're giving medical full medical assessments to every player to understand their physical conditions. We meet Hannah Sheridan, the lead nutritionist, who explains that this wasn't a break. And that in some cases, they actually exercise more you know they were filling time at home uh, and Dyer says that he's built a vegetable garden which I absolutely loved as someone who <laughs> owes an allotment I was intrigued by uh, Dyer's vegetable garden I wanted to know what he was growing um, Tanganga said he's learned to cook and Delhi's also learned to cook um, he learned how to microwave baked beans did that for the first time in his life I really I liked this sort of three part contrast of, of how footballers are handling different things and how like people talk about footballers being immensely sheltered and everything and you can see how that's definitely true for Delhi who's literally not made baked beans despite the fact that he's now in his mid-twenties you know declaring the a period of time that he puts baked beans in the microwave for whereas other footballers you know have built vegetable gardens and so on and 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 already can cook etc so it just shows that the different way that the different players respond to this lifestyle that they live who cooks for delhi every day does he have but, a chef so or this what? Is, this is the thing i mean i presume he must have a chef now or someone doing meals for him but i think there's going to be a lot of banter about this moment for delhi and it kind of misses it, it misses the nuance of his upbringing so obviously yep. his mum couldn't cope with with looking after him and he was taken in by by a teammate's family and essentially adopted at least fostered and presumably they've they've just focused so much on on providing for Delhi and and their own son and doing everything for them to allow them to focus on their football and training and that's a lovely thing but it has led to Delhi being as Nathan mentioned quite sheltered uh, and not learning to sort of be hugely independent um so there there will be some some unfair mockery I think of Delhi off the back of it I think I think both both of you guys have have nailed this this section that Delhi is this Delhi is this guy that is we focus on quite a lot when when the team is being when the team is playing bad it, the cameras always search for Delhi for his reaction to everything and you're totally right that we we don't learn nothing about him all we know about Delhi from this is that how he puts toothpaste toothpaste on his toothbrush what chocolate he eats and that he can microwave baked beans there's so much more to this guy mm. this guy is a complex character who with a complex history and family life and everything and he's he's a really complex tactical player how do we play him and it, all of it has just been glossed over and instead we just know he co- how he cooks baked beans yeah there's a massive opportunity there to actually learn something real you're, you're really right i hadn't thought about i hadn't thought about this in in this way until now but they don't do him any favors do they you know no the interaction we see with him and Mourinho is Mourinho telling him he's lazy in training we there's a lot of focus on him being lazy in training then we only see him making very flippant comments then we see him having a sort of a bit of a barney with with dyer where 
Dyer probably gets the better of him. I mean, we see the nice section of him playing FIFA with, with his colleagues saying it's like a family, but it, it does make him feel sort of a figure of fun, quite a childish, childish figure. And there's, there's layers to him. There's a lot more depth there that, that we miss out on. Uh, so he, he definitely hasn't been portrayed in the, in the best light here, I don't think. Uh, Mourinho is asked whether he's got a second chance now to save the season. Uh, he says this situation is new for him. He explains that it's certainly easier to pick the team now than it was before lockdown. And we see the stadium being set up with flags ready for behind closed doors matches. Uh, we find out the team has moved into the much larger NFL changing room so that the protocols are, are more straightforward to adhere to. Um, we find out that Levy is pleased with finishing the season, naturally. Um, we see some stuff about the Black Lives Matter stance and the photos that are being taken on the training ground. But again, absolutely no detail behind it. No rationale for, for the club's involvement in that. Again, feels like a missed opportunity to sort of make a positive statement. Uh, no we, conversation with any any players, any thoughts, any, any, any times that they've felt racism in football. Nothing like that. Just here, everybody, here's a professional photographer. He's going to take a kneel and we're going to take a photo of you. That, that was it. It's very shallow, very um, uncontroversial. Aurier and Lucas are talking about what it'll be like playing football without the fans. And uh, Lucas has a, has a joke that you can't ignore the manager, kind of pretend that you haven't heard him over the noise of the crowd when you made a mistake and he shouts at you. I really, really like that. I like the, um, this, the, like, obviously, again, Lucas is someone who I, I struggle to appreciate both as a player and a person, but I found him pretty adorable and, and very funny in this little section here. Mm. And quite self-aware as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little the little turn away shoulder and little face he does is very very good. Uh, Mourinho talks the players through the matches. He explains to them that you know when they've watched it on TV they hear crowd noise, but when you're in the stadium you're not going to hear that. That's just pumped through the TV, not the stadium. So he's kind of preparing them for the mental aspects of it. And we switch to the 19th of June playing Man United. There's the shots of the bizarrely quiet uh, high road. Jose um, wiping his hands very diligently with with hand wipe, and we see the players coming out onto the pitch and silence and it really is silent it's it's that's that kind of i don't think i quite appreciated the difference um previous to seeing this shot it hammered it home to me how different it must have been for the players playing in that environment we see bergvine and his fantastic goal capitalizing on a mistake against menu and at half time we get a, a bit more insight here into um i guess slightly tactical stuff we see Mourinho saying that bruno fernandez is trying to be in the holes and he asked the team to close the spaces he says that pogba will be coming on soon and he will have the vision he will have the quality of pass we need to press him and we need to control what is far from him basically what he's saying here is he's got long-range passing capabilities that not many players have and we need to be very much aware of that he says don't make mistakes don't attract the pressure and ends on don't let Pogba shoot Nathan what did you think of this he speaks so 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 highly of Pogba in this section he 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 brings to attention all of the varying threats long and short you can't get too close to him but you can't get too far away from him you you have to close him on the ball you have to close off his options you have to close off the near options you have to close off the four options when he was the manager at United and Pogba was his player he trashed him every week in the press and dropped him it's just wild to me to see that he clearly couldn't be more aware of the incredible qualities of this player that he that he failed at United. So Pogba comes on. Uh, I mean, we know the impact he had in the game because we saw it. But uh, it's quite interesting to see what happens. He, he Mourinho shouts, "Attention, Musa! Attention!" I.e., stick close to to Pogba. Um, and Dyer gives up a penalty where Pogba beats him, and and Dyer sort of pushes him to the ground. And we see Fernandez score that penalty. We see another penalty given for for. 
Dyer on Fernandez, but this one is ruled out through VAR. And Buddy, what did you think of this? I, I quite enjoyed being able to hear the manager talking mm. and his his um, tactical advice. I think we hear it a little bit more in the lockdown games. I thought it was a, a nice addition to um, the kind of experience of watching the game through this um, through this show. The episode ends with the frustrated players after the match and the line from Mourinho: "Come on, come on, eight matches to go. Come on." What do we think of this episode, um, Nathan? I'll start with you. Well, yeah, I mean, I've kind of already said that that. Um... I mean, essentially, this could have been a documentary about sport during uh, the most devastating pandemic for a century. Um, and instead, it's a documentary about how brilliant Jose Mourinho is. How about you, Barney? <laughs> I, I, I really liked how Nathan summed it up. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself. There was so much going on in this in this episode that we, we deserve to find out more. But that's we're, we're now eight episodes in now. No, I'm not surprised that we didn't. Um, I I enjoyed um, as I always do. I enjoyed the bits of the players, Tanganga, Davies, uh, and even Kane. I thought they're for me the most interesting bits. Stuff in the canteen, stuff with his actual human interactions. Everything else is pretty much is a bit too manicured for me. Yeah, they they tried for me to very briefly cover too much and ended up not covering very much at all. Um, and it was it was gone in a flash, and that that was it. That was the the big coronavirus episode that we were all expecting. Until next time, you've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 